podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Support for GigPod is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off plus free delivery with the code GIGPOD at manscaped.com. Out of control. Hello and here we go. It's the most explosive Premiership Year segment yet from us at Glasgow's Green, aka Gigpod. It's only January 2021, a month in which Julian Assange, the WikiLeaks founder, played the uh, I've Been Stabbed card and made sure his extradition from the UK to the US was blocked. Mental health, one of the great get-out clauses of our times. As a result of this pandemic, Glastonbury was away too. And there was more misery ahead at the start of the month as the news we had been dreading eventually came. No, I don't mean another lockdown, but the fact that Neil Lennon would start off the year in the managerial hot seat at Celtic Park. So, focusing on Celtic, we played six games in January, lost twice, we drew three times and only won one game. Yet Neil Lennon would still survive this and take us into February in any case. So, with myself, Stevie, to discuss this abomination of a month, is the lovable clout chaser himself and Gigpod social media legend Spunkphone. Spunkphone, hello. Good weekend. Uh, not as good a, a weekend as you had, Stevie, judging by the, the state that you're in today. But um, no, pleasure to be here, mate. Been looking forward to this. And, and unlike the club, we do actually follow through and, and put out our, uh, our January reviews. So looking forward to it, mate. Thank you. I mean, I just want to let the audience know that I had to suffer a lot of the weekend as well, because I was around people with Edinburgh accents, so it wasn't all plain sailing for me, Spunkphone, despite the great time that I had, okay? Now, it wasn't plain sailing for Celtic either when it comes to games in January. We got off, well, we could have got off to a flyer in January the 2nd, it was the, the do or die game. It was the moral win, if you will, where we had pretty much dominated it all game. We... Looked very, very comfortable up until near Beaton's ridiculous sending off. And ever since that, we were just up against it. We should have had the game wrapped up in the first half, if truth be told. But Al McGregor was outstanding for Rangers. Um, and he was the difference between the two sides. Celtic, realistically, couldn't do much wrong in that game. And yet, Rangers, they were so below pass, Bunk phone. Celtic played the best probably they had in the last, you know, they were getting into a bit of a rhythm in December anyway, but we really were quite impressive in that game. It was the best we'd certainly played against Rangers in recent times, and we still didn't get the win. And Cal McGregor's own goal in the 70th minute pretty much done his in. We were never coming back from that. And What was your thoughts on that game itself? Oh, I, I mean, echo everything you said there. We, we did dominate most of the game up to the sending off, particularly the first half. Um, it was just, Yet again, our, our decision making and our finishing as well in, in the final third, it was just horrific. Griffiths, I remember, had a an opportunity at one point. He had obviously the, the, the wonder save Alan McGregor produced to keep him out, but he had another chance to just play in Edward and went for glory. It kind of summed up our season with that shooting for range that we tended to do more often than not. Beaton obviously showing once again why he's not a centre half with that ridiculous sending off as well. And um 
the own goal, I suppose, just just compounded the misery after that, didn't it? It was a set piece once again, and albeit an own goal this time, but once again, corner kick in towards your near post, resulting in a goal. And no, as as you say, it was it was the moral victory, I suppose, to to an extent, because it was the best that we'd played against them for maybe three or four games. But at at that point, I think as as you say, it was a do or die game, and and um, and we get nothing from it essentially when we. Really deserve something, I suppose, off the, the first 60 minutes, but ultimately we just didn't take our chances. Despite the fact that after that game, we had three games in hand, we went 19 points behind. It was, you know, it was just like a mountain to climb, wasn't it? And let me ask you two questions here. The first one, was it a red card for Neil Beaton? Because Neil Lennon said that Bobby Madden got the card out very quickly. He said it had a huge impact in the game, and yes, it did. Lennon was saying Morelos might have got the shot off, but it would have been from a very narrow angle. It's not even in the box. He thought he was too quick to get the, the card out, and it's poor from near, but he didn't think it was a sending off. I think at the time, I was arguing at the game, and you know, it was, I say that I was watching on TV, and I was saying, I think you know, Madden's just out to do his in. You know, you know, you get that tribal way, don't you, watching Celtic Rangers? And then I think you know, after a few minutes, when I did see the replay, thinking Chris Iyer was never going to be. You know, you would have to be the flash or something to get to where near Beaton was to, to cover Morelos in the space of a second. It was just, you know, Morelos was in on goal. It was a sending off. It was ridiculous from Beaton. We played right into Madden's hands. And I don't know what, I think it was just classic Neil Lennon deflection there. But my question to you is do you agree with me that it was definitely a record? Aye, absolutely. I, I see, to be honest, for what I can remember, I thought that the second I seen it. I mean, Beaton practically rugby tackles him, you know what I mean? He gets the complete wrong side of the man, Morelos gets in behind him and he just brings him down and it's, we could have no complaints there and as you say, I think it is just classic, classic Neil Lennon deflection there but no, no no complaints for me for that red card, it was more than deserved and as I say, shows once again why Neil Beaton cannot be relied on as a centre-half and yet we'll probably go into qualifiers this year with him, uh, with him at centre-back yet again, so I'm looking forward to that in a couple yes, of weeks. Let, let's look back the way, let's not look forward to now, we're all about revisionism here, okay? Now, also as well, remember Christopher Julian missed that game because he collided with a post against Dundee United um, and that was a huge miss for us to be honest with you at Ibrox and that's when Beaton slotted in there. But my other question to you was Vasilis Barkas took pelters for that goal. You, you had guys uh, open goal, that wonderful podcast slating him, saying that he was, he was pathetic for the goal he wasn't a presence and he should have done better with it. I thought this was a game that Barkas was, again, generally fine. He was dependable McGregor's on goal caught him by surprise. I don't think there was anything he could have done with it. And I remember just seeing on social media people saying, This guy's got to go. He's just he's gutless, he's a coward, he doesn't look like a goalkeeper. But I was like, What what could he have possibly done with it? Yeah, no, it's it's your spot on. I mean, he's obviously not gonna anticipate that. And I found it stranger that and if I recall this correctly, I know we definitely didn't have a guy in the back post. I don't think we had somebody in the front post either, did we? And it's that was kind of what I was questioning rather than the keeper. I, I don't think there was much he could have done. That game as well, getting into it, we saw what it was like when we went into games at Ibrox with Scott Bain after that. I mean, I mean, for all they're saying Barkas wasn't a presence, we went to Ibrox twice after that. We lost 2-0 and 4-1. Scott Bain and go for both games and he was just appalling in those matches, wasn't he? Absolutely horrific. Don't even get me started on him. I won't. I won't. I will move <laughs> on. I will quickly move on. So Celtic saw ourselves. 19 points behind. Yes, three games in hand, but surely then it was done. So you're thinking after that, the UK were plunged into a lockdown and the atmosphere in the country was grim at that point, wasn't it? Not just about Celtic, just 
people having to work from home, children in schools not able to see each other. Generally, people, you know, hospitalities and everything, all the, all the trades were decimated because everything was shut down again. And amazingly, Celtic just thought, oh, well, well, it doesn't matter. We'll just go to Dubai. And I believe Spunkphone, you have an opening tirade on this masterclass of decision from one Neil Francis Lennon to go there. It, it was just an absolute disaster. I mean, we'll come on, obviously, at his press conference later because there's, there's one or two things actually in there that I'm like, I kind of agree with him, but the idea, whether we get government approval or not to go on this, um, to still go in the circumstances, given that we were 19 points behind, the country was in another lockdown, just coming off the back of obviously another defeat to Rangers, it it really, the decision making was just incredible. We then obviously arrived, there was the picture of the, the pints by the pool with Brown and Lennon, which was fantastic patter on Twitter, to be fair, I remember. But other than that, it was pretty grim. And then there was obviously the... Do you remember the guy that was taking photos of the players? And um, there was like something going about, apparently somebody at the club was offering his name out to folk. Do you remember that? <laughs> Are you making this up? Cause I don't I, know, is this a what? No, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being serious. It was because, <laughs> that, honestly, right, I don't remember what site it was that actually did publish it in the end up, but someone... Some Celtic fan say, I don't want to start any more fan media beef. I think we've had enough of that the past couple of weeks. But somebody did publish it, and the story was apparently they'd offered it to like a few different fan media sites, the guy's name, and they were basically just trying to frame it as like, oh, he's this Rangers fan on his holiday in Dubai, <laughs> and it's Operation. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Operation Stop the they were trying to frame it as. Honestly, I'll, I'll dig it up for you later, but I swear to God, there'll be somebody listening that remembers this. There was a site that did publish his name in the end up. I swear to God, his name was getting offered out to like different fan media sites. Right, that's remarkable. You know, I do remember you're talking about the, the pints photo and everything. And there was a photo of like Shane Duffy in a pool, and I always thought it was Photoshop, but was that real? The one where he's got a bevy in, in like the pool? It, it looked like he's smoking a cigarette in it, I think. Uh-huh. And I thought it was Aye. just a joke, and I, and I thought it was like a big wind up, and or somebody Photoshop like two guys in Dubai and put his face on it and that. But. Aye. I mean, that that was me, but certainly more people were saying that that was genuine and everything, and I know that you absolutely wired into Duffy for that photo. <laughs> I, I don't know, because it was a bit um, it was a bit blurry. It was definitely him, and I think it was Brown. Him and Brown in the pool together. I can't remember if he was actually... It looked like he was smoking a cigarette. He certainly had something in his hand. The big question is why Dubai, but since 2017, Brendan Rodgers, being in charge of Celtic, We'd always went to Dubai um, for the start of January for like the warm weather training during the winter shutdown. But the difference was this wasn't a winter shutdown. There was none this season. So there was no excuses for Celtic to go there. When you look at the elite clubs in the UK, you had Man United, Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea. All these big clubs, Punk Phone, could have easily went, ah, well, we're going to take a wee week off, go and recharge and everything. I think when you've got big clubs down in England, that aren't tone deaf and can see, hmm, I don't know if it's really, if it's sending out the right message, but Celtic just went, ah, we'll be fine. And then they came back and went, what's everybody gone mental about? That was the biggest, that was the biggest one for me, that when Celtic came back and everybody went mad, like, I don't think people at Celtic could understand it and go, I don't understand why they're getting so hit up about this, what's the problem here? It's just, honestly, the Phil Hing was just laughable for start to finish. And then they come back, obviously, and um, as we'll come on to with the Hibs game here, we had the depleted squad because we 
took a guy that was injured for the next six to nine months out to Dubai and he caught COVID, which was, again, just genius. They knew they were in the wrong, and I think the, the part for me that our social media team went, eh, we're going to really have to, to do it. We're going to have to get the big guns out here. There was a bit where they brought out uh, a Q&A with Sorrow and Turnbull, the two guys who'd been like, <laughs> You know, December stars for us, and they didn't bother to get guys like you know Beaton, Brown, Griffiths, or Edward. They went eh, get Sorrow and get Turnbull and just get them on everything for social media. And that was when I went, aye, they know they have fucked it here, and they just couldn't come out and go fair to us. Aye, we have made a real, very arse of this. They just decided, aye, Sorrow and Turnbull and everything get on a photos out. We're throwing Mikey Johnston as well. The fans think he's all right. It was just class. You have to say, you have to respect the part of him on that one. I do have to respect the part, to be honest. The fact that they just rolled out Turnbull and Sorrow and went, nah, everything's everything's fine here. Um, when they get back, obviously, with the outbreak as well, do you remember Lobel's, and I'm doing the Neil Lennon air quotes here as I say this, apology video? <laughs> with Gerald McCulloch? It was like, honestly, it was like something that would come out of North Korea, obviously, with the questions Jerry McCulloch's asking him, but... It, it was like the thumbnail for it and everything. It was like one of the ones we see like a YouTubers get cancelled and it was like taking accountability and it was Peter Lawwell. It was it was incredible. <laughs> what was so funny about the Hibs game as well was, do you remember the match was moved without Hibs consent? Because I think the then chief executive, Leanne Dempster, was fizzing with it because the Dubai trip caused that much of a stir. Celtic had asked Hibs and the SPFL to move the league match from... Um, the 9th of January to the following Monday to allow us to go, but Hibs went eh, no, but we just did it anyway we just done it anyway, I know incredible, oh. I was I was listening to that at the time actually, I think she went on she went on Sports Sound or whatever it was like the day that it got moved in the first place and a shoot interview was incredible, honestly. What was incredible was the reaction from, you know, the, the Dubai farce because 13 Celtic players missed this game as they had to self-isolate as they were deemed close contacts of Christopher Julian who contracted COVID-19. Neil Lennon was also isolating and I believe for that match it was Gavin Strachan in charge by Stephen McManus, wasn't it? It was indeed. A ridiculous game because, you know, Celtic, the lineup for this game, let me read this one out to you, okay? Now, in goals we had Connor Hazard, we had Frimpong, Welsh, Duffy and Laxall at the back Sorrow and McGregor in the middle Tumble, Rogic and Mikey Johnston with Cameron Harper up front and I always found this one mad more from Hibs point of view because that's a that is a poor Celtic side there right I certainly it's very under strength although you know a lot of teams in the league would still get done in bias but Hibs at the time I think were third in the league they had a full strength team out and you thought if you're a Hibs fan you're thinking you go there and you have a go, don't you? But I think when I was watching that one with Hibs, um, when I was like re-watching the match to talk about this one, Hibs did have an initial fly of like 10 corners or something in the first half, but they never gave Connor Hazard anything to do. They seemed to just be playing for the 0-0 and they very nearly get away with it. But I just remember in, in this game, it was very tough to just throw Mikey Johnston back into that. You know, Tom Rogic was, was so off the pace in it and... It was one of Shane Duffy's better games, actually, although he was pretty much up against nothing. But we did take the lead, amazingly enough. Great free kick by David Turnbull, right? And then it gets to the 90th minute, and there's another set-piece bunk phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happens after that, then? 
It was that was one of the worst ones. I mean, I've went back obviously and watched other games for January in preparation for this, and there's there's still more set piece goals we conceded to come, by the way. But that one was just ridiculous. I mean, it was pathetic the attempt at clearing that, um, and then I think it's Nisbet, isn't it? It falls to. As soon as that free kick came in, I remember watching him with my dad and saying, <laughs> "I just laughed and I went, they're going to score here," and then. Almost like clockwork, I get a message from Hamish Carton, 67 Hail Hail, just laughing. He wasn't even raging at this point, he was just <laughs> laughing. And I knew right away, because I think I, I, I had it on my IPTV, which is like maybe five seconds behind. And I knew right away when, you know, he laughed, I went, ah, here we go. <laughs> I just went, what, what can you really do at this point? It's just, it's never going to be happening for us. But again, it was just self-inflicted, wasn't it? Now, I'm not saying that we win those three games, right? And all of a sudden the league is on again, because Rangers didn't look as if they were getting beat. But my God, just wee things like that, that we really, everything that could have possibly went against us in this month did. And it was all self-inflicted. It was their own stupid fault. Couldn't turn around and blame referees. We couldn't turn around and blame, you know I mean, conspiracies from the SFA. We couldn't turn around uh, and blame anyone bar ourselves. But amazingly, Celtic still did that, and which we'll talk about very soon. Yeah, no, I mean, talk about shooting yourself in the foot. We just... we. At no point last season did we even attempt to give ourselves a chance. I remember Lowell used to keep rolling at the line about um, how no other club in British or European world football, whatever it was, has been affected by COVID as much as us. And I was like, aye, because you've allowed us to be affected by COVID this much. You know what I mean? Just completely shot ourselves in the foot once again. Moving away from Celtic very quickly. A wee bit of trivia for you, Spunkful. Storm Christoph turned up. And apparently there was danger to life warnings that were put in place because deaths could have occurred due to this deadly act of nature. They said many deaths could have been occurring, actually. Turns out the fatality count was zero. So it would appear that Storm Christoph was one of life's true workers. <laughs> what a legend. Now, moving on, Celtic then played Livingston on Saturday, the 16th of January. Truly drab is the word on, on order here. It was... A minging, minging game of football. I remember after the first 10 minutes watching this one, Spunk Phone, I remember just saying to Rizzo, we're not winning this. And Livingston made it so difficult for us. You know, um, Gavin Strachan said after it that Celtic just couldn't cope with them. We really, really struggled in the first half especially. We did come on to a game in the second half, but again, we were still depleted. We didn't ever look as if we were threatening. And in all honesty... Livingston hit the bar and they would have been well worth the win but for a Saturday game three o'clock kickoff watching it again on Celtic TV Jeremy Cullock trying to make the absolute best out of a terrible situation and the weather was bogging as well we couldn't go anywhere this was just in the middle of a horrible month and Celtic were just making things terrible for us weren't they it, it was horrific as you say obviously Livingston had the opportunity I think the second half didn't they where they hit the bar Ambrose I remember had a couple of good chances for set pieces as well one of my biggest memories of this game was Tony Ralston actually started at right back, do you remember? And Jeremy Frimpong, I think, was playing playing right uh, right side of midfield. I think it was Rogic, wasn't it? They ended up playing false nine, but it, it was just a terrible, terrible game of football. Even going back and watching the highlights there, I was honestly, it was just awful. Armstrong Okoflex, I think, probably had the best opportunity for us, didn't he, late on in the second half, and really just done his best impression of Gaza at Euro 96. Yeah, amazingly Germany. enough, Ralston put in a brilliant ball for him, it was right on a plate, yeah, um, but even when you look at that team too, like, Beaton came back in for Welsh, but Ralston was there, certainly right back, Frimpong was like right mid, and you had Tumble and Mikey Johnston playing again, McGregor and Sorrow, 
holding in the midfield and lacks out despite his stupid mistake. You know, we could, we didn't have anyone on the the bench to play again at left back. So, Greg Taylor, amazingly enough, this is when he was still getting patched up until the last you know couple of months for the season. But that was just a game. Where I think David Martindale and Livingston were. It was a golden period of the season, wasn't it? Eight game unbeaten run. I think Martindale possibly was he manager the month that month as well. He might well have been. I wouldn't know to be honest. Well, some researchers we are, aren't we? But anyway, this isn't the, this isn't this is not the Livingston is yellow podcast, as we know. But Celtic would go on to be twenty points behind Rangers now. After that, we only had two more games in hand. Livingston were fifth, and I was just thinking at this point with Celtic, what what you know what what were we learning? It was the fact that I would say none of the Celtic sort of fringe players you were thinking they would maybe come in, impress, and start threatening guys who had let us down this season. But all the players that we, we were without, you know, your like your Edwards, your Ayers and everything like that, or your or big dogs who'd still been letting us down this season, regardless. You just knew after that they just had to come right back in the team because our fringe players in the the last two games just didn't do enough, did they? And that was the that was a big takeaway from it. Yeah, no, that that was one of the really disappointing things I think for those two games. There was it, it was the fringe players even when they did get their opportunity because a lot of them didn't actually start. Obviously, we've read out the the team that started against Hibs there, the one against Livingston as well, still had a lot of a lot of first team experience. But I mean, even when the guys were coming off the bench, the didn't give much a, an opportunity to make an impact and, and you were kind of hoping for that sort of two-game spell. Maybe there'll be somebody here that shows up and can be a sort of bright spark for the second half of the season, but no, nothing. <laughs> here is a bit we all want to talk about. That is the true peak of Celtic in January. It was, indeed, the press conference with Neil Lennon. What was your initial thoughts on that one? And Did you expect Neil Lennon at first to come out to it and you know, be a wee bit, show a wee bit of humility and grace instead of the fucking, the way that it went? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. I thought, I thought Neil Lennon maybe, maybe would have learned and went, ah, yeah, I put my hands up here. I, I have been out of order, but I mean, Neil Lennon amazingly just doubled down, didn't he? And he just took, <laughs> he threw everyone under the bus and amazingly, I think this was the one of the press conferences, wasn't it, that he started blaming St Johnston and even said, no, they're out of order as well. They've not been, they've not been playing, getting like put up to the same sort of standards as us and then St Johnston came out going, what the fuck are you talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, talk us through that press conference, Punk Punk, because I know you've wanted to shoot on it for a while. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the press conference itself, it was one of the one of the great shoots of our time, I think, to be honest. He, he just came in baying for blood. He was he was foaming at the mouth playing in that press conference. And he was just going after everyone, like you say, St. Johnson, the government. I remember he was talking about that Margaret Ferrier that travelled for London to Glasgow, was it, with, with COVID in the train. Um, he started talking about the Scotland players then the Conga after they beat Serbia. It was... It was incredible, honestly. It was it was stellar viewing, um, and as you say, with Neil Lennon, humility is not really his, his strong point, is it? So I, I wasn't one bit surprised, to be honest, to see him come out and just shoot on everyone. It was incredible because I I was watching it, just messaging. You know the guys at six or seven, hail hail, during that we were just all in the chat going, "Have you seen this?" And we, I, I don't know. I think it we range from like, angry to confused to just complete breaking down and hysterical laughter <laughs> at it it was just so bizarre and 
you know, I think the bit that got me was the fact that he says, we went there and we did the right things. We were absolutely professional. We had a wee drink in the afternoon. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> so, okay. It's just, and that was just Neil Lennon, wasn't it? That was that was what he saw as being professional. Get the training out of the way and then have a wee drink. And you're like, I mean, there's people in, all over the country that can't do that. And these guys are swanning off, having a bevy. And then they wonder why they come back to everybody being raging. Because it was literally just Celtic that went. And as you say, yeah, St. Johnston got it in the neck. And they came out going, I don't know what you're talking about, Neil. But he, do you remember he had a swipe at Rafe Rovers as well? I <laughs> saw <laughs> <So> he did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, and I think after a press conference like that, and... You know, the fact that Celtic 21 points behind Rangers at this point, you would imagine Neil Lennon would have had that in in his mind going, yeah, that, that is the main focus here. That is what I really have to, to contend with as to why fans are angry, because when I look at the league table, we've went away and we've made it worse. But no, he just had he just deflected, didn't he? And you saw what Neil Lennon's been like recently, even with Griffiths, even with, again, with the SPFL, he's just constantly never able to take responsibility. And I thought the best one was when he said, as you said, they had a, a swipe at Scotland as well, but he was saying it's not as if they were doing a conga in the dressing room, dancing to Bacara. And I'll tell you something, a bit of solidarity there, because Monkful, me and you absolutely hate that stupid song, don't we? I'd, we do, I. I mean, see, to be fair, whilst they were doing the conga, I, I didn't I enjoyed it at that point, but the the arse well and truly get booted out of it, and that's coming for me, the king of repetitive patter. So that's me, you know, it's bad, eh? Yeah, indeed. Thanks very much to Open Goal for that one again. So, <laughs> <laughs> and talking of, talking of Open Goal, Celtic blew another one because we would go away to Livingston. This was a tough game for us, actually. Um, and Livingston, if you remember, rested players because they had a trip to Hamden at the mm-hmm. weekend after this, despite going 1-0 down to, I think it was Kieran Brown's header, which we'll talk about in a wee minute. El Yunus scored a cracker and then Beaton put away one as well. And you thought in the first half, 2-1 up, we're looking for it relatively comfortable. Second half was just a Livingston onslaught. It was quite unbelievable um, as to how the amount of pressure they put on us and we just collapsed under it. Uh, G. Emmanuel Thomas made it 2-2 and from then on, uh, Celtic just looked rattled. They looked r- rattled all the second half at a snowy Anthony Macaroni Arena. But if we can talk about that first goal, I mean, honest to God, spunk phone. You said earlier, yep, we'll talk about set pieces and that's now another one we conceded that was a third goal against us from a set piece in January. But I think, ignoring the Rangers one and yeah, the Hibs one was a first, I think this was the worst because it was just a a hopeful in-swinger and it caught out our entire defence. I think Ayer and Duffy were just ball-watching. The guy Keenan Brown just nips in, heads it in and it was just heads in hand, wasn't it? You're like, after that big press conference with Lennon, you thought they'd maybe come out like men possessed, but they were just like wee guys again, weren't they? It was, I mean, that, that particular goal was ludicrous. I mean, it was just ridiculous. I mean, it, we've been over it enough on this podcast already and um, going back to the earlier episodes of this series as well, where it's like, you know, is nobody coaching them to defend a set piece? Has nobody identified that there's a pattern here where we keep conceding goals for set pieces? And we've done it yet again. Um, we did go on, obviously, to equalise from a set piece. Um, although I think that was more down to the Prophet Moe's finish more than anything else, wasn't it? But my, my biggest memory for that game, to be honest, was how horrific the weather was. Do you remember how bad it got in the second half? And 
<laughs> and then obviously big big jet got the equaliser after Beaton's offside goal had put us ahead. Big Jet as well, who's obviously Brown's best mate now up at Aberdeen, if, if you've seen that. so And, and then we're obviously coming on to Brown, aren't we, who came off the bench and how long did he last? It was a couple of minutes, wasn't it? It looked like he couldn't be asked to be honest, when he came on. And yet again for him, during this, um, this abomination of a season that we're talking about, just a really, really poor, stupid decision for a guy with his experience. Celtic matched a terrible run set under Kenny Dalglish in the year 2000 and that was a fourth game without a win for us. Quite unbelievable and especially against the Livingston side who quite openly had said they had a semi-final against St Mirren to come at Hamden on the Sunday and they pretty much had one eye on that. In fact, I think the way Livingston set their team out, they didn't have the same intensity as what they did at Celtic Park. They were quite sort of they were more tepid against us um, and they were quite standoffish. And yet, that entire second half, they, they really outmatched us. And it was another one after the game. Remember when Neil Lennon had another Rami with a Sky Sports interviewer as well? I think it was before the game he refused to speak with him, but he said, I can't remember what player it was he said to speak with him. And then that was the one, was it no, the, the, the interview? Sports um, Sound? Yeah, Sports Sound. And there was one as well with Celtic TV, do you remember? And it was like at the start, of it, it's like, you made this weird... or something. <laughs> it was like a dragon at a Game of Thrones or something. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah. It was just wild and Celtic, t- and Celtic TV didn't even think to edit it out. They went, didn't nah, we'll just, <laughs> just go with that. Very normal, <laughs> very normal stuff in a very normal season for a very normal club. We did indeed win a game. It was our first win of 2021 to arrest a troubling winless slump by seeing off Hamilton, as we always do in the Premiership. We ended the four games without a victory. Um, which was last set by Kenny Dalglish in 2000. As I said, when Lee Griffiths made it 1-0 and then Odson Edward made it 2-0. It was a fairly routine win over Hamilton. I know that we are going to cover this in depth, um, and especially more of the part on January 2021, but this was pretty much a nothing game, and we, despite how bad Celtic had been, we always expected to beat Hamilton, didn't we? Aye, I mean, it, it really is saying a lot about the rest of this month here that this was the highlight, uh, because it was just a incredibly boring game I think this was the point where I was watching the highlights back there and um, I hadn't really watched anything back of last season to be honest up until this for obvious reasons but you know, it's just how, how depressing it is going back you re-watch these games and it's empty parkhead with the big banners over the seats and the artificial crowd noise getting pumped in and it just it's awful honestly just terrible and fingers crossed, obviously, our wonderful government will let us have fans back stadium soon. But um, back onto this game, obviously, Griffiths, I think, scores the scores the opening goal, doesn't he? Took it well enough, to be fair. And then he sets up Edward as well, who does likewise, really composed finish, taking it round the goalkeeper. But again, other than that, just an incredibly boring game of football. Yeah, and it was the first game as well without Jeremy Frimpong. Jeremy Frimpong signed for Bayer Leverkusen before that game. Celtic did indeed beat Hamilton. It was our only win that month, but we still remained at 23 points behind Rangers, who were undefeated. So we moved on then to the Saturday, three days later. Now, <laughs> this was just something else. This was when you saw everyone just furious and they just had enough, hadn't they? It was Celtic 1, St Mirren 2. St Mirren absolutely tormented us on this day. They deservedly won the, uh, the game at Celtic Park. It was a first win at Celtic Park in 31 years. What I will say is St Mirren's first goal was well taken. I, I put my hands up there and say it was a well-worked move and 
you know, it happens against us. I thought when we equalised, we were going to, you know, kick on, move up a couple of gears, and uh, put some men into the sword. But no, five minutes later, some utterly, utterly <laughs> dismal defending from Shane Duffy, letting Dermis, who finished pretty well past Scott Bain, <laughs> you knew that was game over. Now, St Mirren's last league win uh, in the league against us was the 4-0 win in Paisley, which spelled the end for Celtic manager Tony Mowbray. But amazingly enough, this still didn't put Neil Lennon out of job, and he was tactically outdone by Jim Goodwin, and St Mirren just exploited how vulnerable we were, didn't they? It was it was just horrific. This was a real low point in the season, I thought, this game. Um, like you said, obviously, St Mirren's first win at Parkhead for 31 years. I think, bizarrely, whoever it was that was doing the commentary in Celtic TV that day, I don't know if... if was this the period where Peter Martin was doing it? Peter Martin, yeah, came in for some reason, didn't he? And... Bizarrely, they, bizarrely, they quoted that stat, and I thought, you're just tempting fate there. Why would you say that in the club TV channel? Given who it's basically like North Korean state media most of the time, and they went, ah, St Mirren, they've, they've uh, no one at Parkhead for that. And I thought, with the season we are having here, why would you tempt fate there? But as you say, I mean, their, their first goal was well taken. Duffy, I think, does get caught out of position, to be fair, but it's it, it's not even his worst error on the, the, the game there, to be fair. He is horrendous for that second goal. No idea what he's doing. He didn't have a clue what he was doing either. He just sort of lets the ball drop over him, doesn't he? And then runs in the other direction. Anytime there was like a goal against us, you know, in that month when Rangers made it 1-0, you knew that was it. We weren't coming back from it. You knew when Livingston made it 2-2 against us, there was no way we were coming back because these goals just demoralised us and they dented our confidence so much. There was a lack of belief and there was just a lack of quality there. And that's what Neil Lennon was saying as well. He said, after that game, actually, he actually did say that he deserved what we got, which was a relief to hear because I thought he would have came out saying it was so lucky by St Mirren and we were brilliant. But he said it was the lowest point of the six years that he was the manager across two spells. It's, I mean, it should have been gone long before that, obviously. Everyone knows that. There's various points on this series that, that he should have been gone and, and you and whoever the guest has been on those particular episodes have discussed that in depth, but when it gets to the point the manager's going, no, across my two spells here, as you say, over six years, this is the lowest, the lowest I've felt, this is the lowest we've sank, surely somebody's just got to pull the trigger at that point and, and say, right, Neil, thanks for uh, thanks for the bye, but see you later. Boris Johnson in January said he was deeply sorry for the fact that the UK death rate surpassed 100,000 for maybe one day you'll be able to say this in court and be let off with one of your many incriminating tweets that you are just simply deeply sorry and you get away with it. <laughs> I've, I've tried that with Twitter support a good few times now to be fair, but they don't seem to be listening to me. Spunkphone, not only are you running wild on your own account at SPNKPHNE, but you're also now the GigPod admin. Are you delighted to have made the big money transfer? It's 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 a real privilege, Stevie. Um to have been to have been trusted to be to be sat at the the head of this gig pod table, it's it's a real honour for me, um, and, and taken aback by the the amount of faith that's been shown in me by yourself and Rizzo. And I'm delighted to now get to the 2021 mark, meaning there's only a few months for us to go. But thank you for being a real sport and taking part in the most difficult one, which was January 2021. It's a pleasure as always, Stephen. Thanks very much for uh, for having me along. And thank you, the audience, for listening. And that's us away. We'll be back for the next month, February, with Lee Hutchison, 
and he'll break down a month which saw his team's reputation plummet drastically. With no silverware looking likely due to the excruciatingly abysmal displays they had been putting in. But enough about Tottenham Hotspur. Celtic were also a shambles, and we'll have that sorted for you next week. Podcast Network.